It's Thursday at 11 a.m. And you're listening to the Eagle's Nest on Weagle 91.1 FM, talking all things sports with a special focus on our Auburn Tigers here on the Plains. If you want to be a part of today's action, feel free to tweet at us at Daniel J. Locke or The Griggs B. Let's get into the action. Welcome back to the Eagle's Nest here on Weagle 91.1 FM. It has been far, far too long. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Welcome back to Auburn. I'm Daniel. He is... He is Griggs. He is Griggs. So we're just going to get right into it. To hell to hell to Georgia. Um, man. That was... sucks. I hate it. It sucks, but at the same time, that it just goes to prove that... I mean... The people who were saying TCU didn't deserve to be in the playoff are idiots because, A, they right. beat Michigan, who was the second-best team all year in college football. And then there's another school I'm not going to name who thinks they should have been in that game instead of them. Don't lose two games in the regular season. It's simple as right. that. Yeah, especially to a team that you know got throttled by Georgia in the SEC championship. And lost to A&M. Or a Tennessee, right. Or a Tennessee team that just fell off. That is true. I mean, Tennessee's two losses, I mean, there was the Georgia loss, which, yes, Georgia destroyed them. And then I don't really blame them as much for the South Carolina one because Hendon Hooker did leave that one. But, yeah. So, TCU uh, lost to Georgia in the national championship game. I think the final score was, what, 68? 65 to 7. 65 to 7. So, just kind of going through some of... At least they scored. Right. If they would not have scored, that would have been very, very bad. Max Duggan, 14 of 22, 152 yards and two interceptions. Stetson Bennett, 18 of 25, 304 yards and four touchdowns. But give me the best O-line in the SEC and the best receiving core in the SEC, and I could probably go a solid 10 of 25 for 112 yards and at least one touchdown. I mean, so I'm not, it's just not that impressive. I'm not going to discount anything Stetson Bennett's done, but when you're throwing to wide open five star receivers all the time, it doesn't. I don't care who you are, you could be. I don't give me a random quarterback and you're making those plays. Put Bo Nix on this team; he's a Heisman finalist. He wins the thing, right? Because Stetson Bennett made the to uh, New York, and he didn't really deserve it that much this year. Besides, yeah, but yeah, I mean, good year of college football. I mean, not for us, but. Hopefully we'll be around some – we'll be able to talk about one more Auburn game when we come back from break next year. Hopefully so. That would be just swell. Um, but looking at the other playoff games, TCU-Michigan, this one is apparently very controversial, but I don't see how. Like, if you want to win a game, don't throw two pick sixes and don't fumble the ball in the half-yard line. Also, he was down before the touchdown. Yeah, it wasn't even a bad call. Like, I just don't get this at all. And but, speaking of these two playoff games first, I mean, these are the two best – this is the best round of semifinal games we'd ever seen. Oh, and then we, everyone, Then everyone's expecting the national championship to be like that. I mean, yeah. you can't ask for too much, people. No. Um, at max, we'll get two of the three playoff slash finals will be good at max. Mm-hmm. We won't have three good games. That's just not going to happen. We got all of our good luck on New Year's Eve, so we're not going to get any on January 9th. It's just, I don't see why people are shocked by this. It's just simple math. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and then Ohio State versus, um, Ohio, Ohio State, sorry. Ohio State versus Georgia, final score, that was 42 41 in Mercedes Benz. The Chick fil A Peach Bowl, Georgia narrowly takes this one away from Ohio State after scoring 18 points in the fourth quarter. This is probably the most upset I've been in a team that's not one of my own in this Ohio State one. You had a chance 
to you had all of the state of Alabama rooting for you. Like that that's pretty powerful. Like in, in a lot of cases, like in presidential elections, that means almost nothing. Hmm. In college football, that means the world, that the whole state of Alabama behind you. So, oh my gosh, I just, I'm so upset that they couldn't get that done. It takes a lot for me to. It takes a lot for me to be able to cheer for Ohio State. This is one of those games. I don't like have a problem with Ohio State. Uh, there are a lot of teams I dislike more, and I always root for them in the game every year just because of my Notre Dame fandom. But I just, um, man, I just can't believe that they would blow it that bad. And there were many times when that game before even the fourth quarter, and I was like, okay, this feels over. This feels like an Ohio State win. And then when Georgia went and scored with like a minute to play, I was like, oh, no. But, you know, you have C.J. Stroud, and I, I knew that they would be able to get in the field goal range, like relatively easily. But once they got there, when they were kind of on the edge of field goal range, instead of running those two pass plays, if you just run it up the middle a couple times, get four or five yards each carry – I feel like that kick's a lot more makeable. Yeah, even though it wasn't even close. It was. But. I mean, it wasn't the kick wasn't even close. But then again, it was a fifty yard kick. Yeah, there's a huge difference between forty and fifty. Mm-hmm. But then, yeah, I mean, Ohio State deserved to win most of this game. But then again, you have to be able to. It, you end the game after the third quarter. Ohio State wins. True. Football's four quarters. You have to win the fourth quarter as well. And Georgia scoring eighteen points in the fourth quarter. That you can't win with that. No. If you don't, if you're letting that up. But C.J. Stroud in that game went 23 of 34 for 348 yards and four touchdowns. Ohio State, they had five different players attempt a carry. Um, none of them really did a whole lot. Um, Dolan Hayden got 43 yards off of nine carries. But Ohio State had two 100-yard receivers. Amika Ugbuka uh, caught for 112 yards and a touchdown off of eight catches. And then Marvin Harrison Jr., that name is infinitely easier to say, two touchdowns and 106 yards off of five catches. And then Julian Fleming caught 71 yards off of five catches. So not not bad. But then if you just look at George's receiving, Arian Smith, Brock Bowers, Kenny McIntosh, Adonnie Mitchell, Kears Jackson, just so many targets. Like one of those guys is going to be open every play. Mm-hmm. Agreed with that, yeah. Just And unfortunately, we're only going to see this amazing Georgia receiver room continue to flourish as Dominic Levette and Ra-Ra Thomas from Missouri and Mississippi State, respectively, are going to join forces with the Bulldogs next year. I was really hoping we could land one of those, but that is That's always crazy to think that, like, transferring in-conference and in-division. It's always yeah. a crazy thought to me because you are gonna you know that you're going to have to play them. Yeah, and yeah, because Georgia will definitely have to play Missouri. I don't know if... I don't. The odds are Mississippi State doesn't have Georgia next year. But yeah, I was mean mainly talking about Dominic Levin. Yeah, 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 I got you. But the sentiment's definitely still the same, in mm-hmm. my opinion. The fact that you, you know, kind of went to play for not necessarily a rival, but a hostile opponent, and I don't know. It's just it'd be like definitely not the same level. But you know how weird it would be, even if like Auburn was able to get an Alabama transfer. That something about that would just kind of feel like. Huh. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. But it is unfortunately it for the playoff. Griggs, what are some bowl games that you kind of want to highlight here? We'll start off at the top. I think a good one off the bat was UTSA and Troy. Yes. The Duluth Trading uh, Cure Bowl. The, a ranked v. ranked matchup on the first day of bowl season is crazy. Yeah, uh, that's not something you get too often. Troy was able to edge out the Roadrunners 18-12. to 12. 
They had a good amount of offense despite the score not really reflecting that. A lot of yards. But yeah, a lot of yards. I mean, UTSA led both – a UTSA player led the pass, rush, and receiving categories. But the Troy Trojans, man, able to figure it out and take that one home to Alabama. Yeah. Another one, this one kind of caught me off guard. It wasn't a really good game, but number 14, Oregon State beating Florida mm-hmm. 30. I was about to bring that one up. Yeah. What a what an interesting year for Billy Napier. Yeah, one of my friends um, is a Florida fan, and after, I think, the Tennessee game, no, one of the games they won early, he was like, man, I think Coach Napier's brought Florida back. And Probably then after Utah. this game, I, oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Then after um, this game, I promptly texted him. I was like, so you still think that, or you want to pump the brakes on that, or what are you thinking? He was like, shut up. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought. But, I don't know, definitely a year for Florida that started out with a lot of promise, but ended very, very drastically. It sort of reminds me, this isn't a perfect comparison, but it kind of reminds me of 2021 Auburn. Our freshman year, last year on the Plains, you know, Obviously, we open up the year 2-0, go up to Penn State, lose that game closely in one of the toughest uh, atmospheres playing in college football. Then two weeks later, we go on the road and beat LSU and Baton Rouge for the first time, and at that point, 22 years. And at that point, after that Ole Miss game, when we just had to win out to go to Atlanta, there was a lot of hype around the football program. But Yeah, but then again, I mean, they beat Utah, you're saying, and then the next week, they lose to Kentucky, beat South Florida – I mean, what are these wins at the end of the year? Sound the only one I can see that may, sounds good at the end of this year now would be winning against South Carolina the way they did. Yeah, I agree, especially the way South Carolina finished with. And upsets. they lost to Vanderbilt. Yeah, that that's one. That's, that's where it separates our, us from them. True. At least we lost to competent opponents. No offense, Vandy, but that's just not something that you can have a whole lot of, or really any of, um, especially. I don't know where I was going with that thought. But, yeah, just a very disappointing year for the Gators. And it was a year to start off with a lot of hype. So, next, BYU versus SMU in the New Mexico Bowl. This one ended 24-23. to And I was pretty entertained watching this one. You never knew what was going to happen. And the Cougars narrowly edge out a victory. And one of the most... You know, this was a very random game. Like, you know, I just put it on TV. I was like, I need something to do. I'll watch this game. And I was thoroughly impressed with what I saw. Yeah, I didn't watch the second of this game. I'm going to be real. But, I mean, it looked like a it looked like a good game, one-point game at the end. I mean, BYU still found a way to take home the victory, and they didn't even score a point in the fourth quarter. So the next one I kind of want to talk about here the Houston Cougars and the Louisiana Raging Cajuns. Houston, oh, this was the Radio Technologies Independence Bowl. Houston narrowly got a 23-16 to victory, but ULL did not, or UL now, forgot they rebranded, did not score a single point in the second half. You cannot afford to be a first-half football team ever. No, you can't. You can't at all. I mean, with um, uh, the Houston quarterback, Clayton Toon, the way he Threw the ball there in that game was pretty good. I mean, two two hundred twenty nine yards, three touchdowns, able to find a way to win that game. And it's the same stories we're going back to. These teams that don't score in the fourth quarter rarely coming away with victories in this one. 
Yeah, and the next one I want to talk about, and there's a very specific reason, the RoofClaim.com Boca Raton Bowl, the Toledo Rockets narrowly beat the Liberty Flames 21-19. This was the Flames' first game without head coach Hugh Freeze at the helm. Obviously, anyone who listens to the show <laughs> probably knows where Coach Freeze is coaching nowadays. Griggs, would you care to enlighten the people who have been living under a rock? Auburn. Yes. So, you know, Liberty looked kind of strong in this game. Um, but only 253 yards of total offense in today's game of football is not going to do it. Yeah, I mean, it's hard for them. I mean, losing that like entire staff going into this game, I mean, I don't think too many people were considering them to win this game. No, especially when the guy's been calling your plays all year is no longer with you. Mm-hmm, yeah. Bo Nix knows a thing or two about that, unfortunately. Speaking of Bo Nix, they won that game. Bo Nix and the uh, Oregon Ducks defeated the North Carolina Tigers 28-27 in the San Diego County Credit Union Holiday Bowl at Petco Park, which is crazy. I feel like there's more games of baseball stadiums this year than I ever remember. I mean, the Fenway one, I know. The one that really shocked me was the Chase Field Bowl game. Yes. I didn't see that one coming at all. Like, obviously, the new era pinstripe bowl in Yankee Stadium, that's iconic. That That's always been a thing. But, yeah, and a lot of people dislike it. As a diehard baseball fan, I don't really know what my opinion is. It just feels weird the way like that – seating for baseball is in football yeah. like you have like fans like all like spread out i mean the field's like in the middle of the field and you have the outfield you're so far away from the field it'd be pretty similar to probably like nycfc they play in yankee stadium Which i imagine it kind of looks the same yeah and another, speaking of that guaranteed rate bowl wisconsin 24 oklahoma state 17 me and my brother and my dad were talking about this i've never seen this before in my life until this game luke fickle was coaching for wisconsin huh like the new coach, yeah. Yes, he was coaching for them. Yeah, that that's. I've never seen a, a, a new head coach be hired, and go right in and do that. Me I've either. never seen that before. Props though. Yeah, and you got to win though. Props to that, but yeah. Any, uh, we're running out of time. I don't think uh, that Kansas Arkansas game was crazy. That was a good game. But um, I think. Oh, any more? Taking Tennessee beat the brakes off Clemson. Yeah. Notre Dame. Narrowly squeaks one out against South Carolina. <laughs> yep. Um, what are we thinking? Uh, Kansas State looked like they headed on Bama for a minute there, but then that didn't turn out to be true. Iowa scored 21 points in the second quarter and won 21 to nothing over Kentucky. I thought that so was very every funny. every now and again you can be a, se- a first-half team. Not often, though. Every yeah. Well, when you hold your other team scoreless and you score 21 in the second. Yeah. All right, college football. Thank you for a good fall semester. We will see you probably for a little bit in April, but you will not have the limelight on this show until then. But when we come back, we'll be talking about a different kind of football. Stay tuned to find out exactly what that different kind of football is. You're listening to the Eagles Nest Spring 2023 kickoff show. I am Daniel Locke. Alongside me is Griggs Blankenberg. Do not touch that dial. Welcome back to the Eagles Nest here on Weagle 91.1 FM. I am Daniel Locke. Alongside me today, and as always, Griggs Blankenberg. Before the break, we were just recapping the college football stuff that happened after we left for winter break. Now we are taking it mainly across the pond for a different kind of football. We're going to talk about the World Cup and the Premier League. Yeah, so when we last left our last show, we were just talking. I think it was right after the U.S. had clinched advancement into the knockout round. They ended up falling uh, 3-1 to the Netherlands in the round of 16. And then the World Cup ended up going 
where it was the Argentines defeating the French 3-3. to They ended up winning, I believe, 4-3 to in PKs in the final. So Lionel Messi gets his first World Cup and Argentina's third. I think their first one since the 80s. Yeah, and Argentina, just the whole World Cup, definitely kind of felt like that team of destiny. Um, so I wasn't really shocked to see them win. I was uh, admittedly kind of cheering for France in that final game, but I was not heartbroken over seeing Messi get to raise it up. Yeah, I think Argentina was your pick too The, the when we first did our World Cup talk. They were, so I can't be too mad, I guess. Yeah, but then, yeah, Kylian Mbappe scoring a hat trick in the World Cup. That is absolutely insane. It's I've never seen anything like that before. And then they still lost. But it was a great World Cup, one of the best that I can remember. Yeah, um, it's probably it was it's like the first one I watched, like actually kind of knowing what was going on, like fully. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thoroughly enjoyed it down to the end. Um, obviously, it would have been nice to see the U.S. Um, go on to the quarterfinal, but. I don't think they would have fared very well against Argentina if that happened. No, not at all. It probably would have been worse than a 3-1 to one defeat. Mm-hmm. Especially since that Netherlands barely lost to Argentina that when they went to penalties with them there. But, yeah, I mean, that was crazy. And then Croatia defeating Brazil on PKs is also – there's a lot of good PKs in this tournament, in this World Cup. Yeah, there were. And I think we both finished the U.S. to come in second in Group B. So we both got that right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, I did think Wales be... would come out on top over Iran for the three spot, though. Like, not that it really matters because that team doesn't move on, I don't think. No, they don't. Uh, Yeah. Only the top two. Gotcha. Um, but still. So who was your biggest surprise? Because mine's Japan. Mine's actually Morocco. Okay. Morocco is the first African nation to advance the uh, – f- uh, so call it final four semifinal match. They ended up losing two nil to France, but Morocco being the first ever African nation to make it to the final four. Yeah, that's that'd probably be my And that group worth. that came out of like they won group F over Croatia, Belgium, and Canada, which that's not the hardest group ever, but it's definitely not easy. I mean Belgium not advancing is just a shocker. I mean Belgium's yeah. got some of the best players in the world, mainly Courtois, who's the goalkeeper at Real Madrid, and then of course Kevin De Bruyne from uh, Manchester City. So the fact that they were able to advance this more or less and then win that group over a group with that much talent like that, it's just incredible. And it's not – yeah, it shouldn't be unnoticed. And then just kind of one, one more thing I want to say about Japan is Group E was brutal because they came out on top over Spain, Germany, and Croatia. I don't think they were in the same group as Croatia. Oh. They lost to Croatia in the round of 16. Oh, that's right. Who is CRC then? Costa Rica. Costa Rica. Oops. That's going to get clipped. Oh, yeah. Croatia's in Group F. Yeah, I remember. Talk about that. I think we were at the gym when I, when I stopped working out for that one bit because Croatia and Japan were PKs. That's right. I remember that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Griggs and I get fit together. <laughs> uh, let us be your inspiration. Stick to your New Year's resolutions. Yes. But, yeah, Croatia ended up being them. Japan, yeah, Japan's um, group stage rounds were definitely something to be looked at. But then, yeah, I mean, Brazil falling kind of early was a shocker. That was um, losing to Croatia and uh, PKs in the quarterfinal because they're they're definitely one of those powerhouse teams that you just kind of always expect to be right there. So 
kind of how would you grade England's performance? Um, they ran into a France team that was very, very good. They weren't favored in the match at all. Made it to the quarterfinals. Um, I mean, if you're asking English person, they th- they expect to win every single time. I mean, they made the semifinals in 2018 before they lost to Croatia. They made the Euro final against Italy and lost that in PKs. But I probably have to give it a C, maybe a C plus, just because England has so 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 much talent. Where their entire starting rosters in the Premier League, minus Jude Bellingham, who is going to be in the Premier League next year, and they just besides if they would not match up with France, I'd probably think they'd move on to at least the Final Four. But yeah, I mean, they, France did have their chances too. Uh, Harry Kane missed a PK late in the game. So, so what do you think um, about Gareth Southgate's like, kind of future as that English national team head coach? Do you think? By the time 2026 rolls around, he'll still be in that position, or do you think the English will have moved on? I think it matters how he performs in the 2024 Euros. So that will take place, I think, in the in that, not this year but next year. I think it matters in that one. They have to probably, I'd say, they probably have to win, get second, or get kind of just like like kind of robbed in the semifinals or something like that. But anything short of the semifinals, I don't think they keep him around. So moving on to our home team, how do you grade the U.S.'s performance? I'll go like the same. Uh, I'll go B minus. Okay. Okay. Getting yeah. out of that group. I mean, that group we should have advanced yeah, over, over the B. bottom over the bottom two groups. But then again, I mean, I mean the goal for the U.S. I mean, obviously every World Cup is just to get to the knockout round. Still at this age, but next when it's in America, if we don't make like the quarterfinals or the semifinals, we're in a big big problem. Mainly just the quarterfinals because. So, what do you think about Greg Berhalter's performance? I mean, he made some good decisions, and then he made some not-so-great ones. I mean, going leading into the World Cup, everyone was kind of saying he doesn't deserve the job. I mean, I still feel like there might be a better option out there. Potentially, I like I like going into other countries and getting a manager from there from Europe, mainly, like Klinsman. Um, you had Jurgen Klinsman. We did a lot of stuff with him. I mean, we went after Zidane, who's one of the most prolific managers in European football history. He turned us down, along with three other countries. Um, I don't think he wants to coach anymore. But it's tough. I we, We're going to be in the, uh, Co- uh, the Copa America, I believe, in 2024, which is like the South America Euros. But, yeah, I think we need a good performance in there to keep him around because – some of his decisions I just don't get, really. I mean, starting some bad defensive players I don't think should have made it a long, a long way. But, I mean, he did enough. I'll say that. So kind of switching gears for the last couple minutes of this segment, the Premier League is back. Um, it started again on Christmas, the day after Christmas. Boxing Day. Boxing Day. Um because of the World Cup being in November slash December, there was a long break of the season, which is kind of unprecedented, I think. Like, I don't really know if that's a regular thing. It's not. I mean, but then again, they just they had to stop for the World Cup. I mm-hmm. mean, that's why I saw a lot of players not play in the World Cup because of injury, because usually in the summer. So it's not like the club season's not affecting them. Yeah. So we'll just kind of 
pick up right at, I guess, kind of last week, really starting on Wednesday, January 4th. This was not a great day for me as a Premier League fan as my Crystal Palace Eagles fell 4-0 at the hands of Tottenham Hotspur, who, if you don't know, which you probably don't, are the team of my roommate Ethan. So we yeah. engaged in some friendly trash talk. Um, Ma- mainly from – and then – Mainly from Ethan at the oh, end. Oh, yeah, it was all directed at me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Crystal Palace got to be a little bit careful there, man. Can't be dropping too, too, too many games now. No, uh, we have a chance to get right against Chelsea on Sunday. That'd um, be very funny if you beat Chelsea. I would be cheering for Crystal Palace on that one. Oh, nice. wow, I never thought I'd see today. Just because I don't like Chelsea, it'd be very funny to just see Chelsea continue to suffer. I find that very funny. Our good friend Joey is a Chelsea fan. But, Griggs, do you know what match takes place Wednesday, January 18th at 2 p.m. Central Time? I believe that would be uh, – you said what, January 28th? You said January 18th? Yep. I believe that would be the Crystal Palace Eagles uh, hosting the Manchester United Red Devils. It is. A game that was RIP the Queen. Yes. RIP the Queen. Shout out to her family. Um, died and postponed this match back in, I believe, what was it, November? Or was that October? I feel October. Like. That's crazy. It's been that long. We're finally going to get that one back because Manchester United's been a game behind. I believe Crystal Palace is too. It's every other team because every team had their games from postponed, but then Manchester United had another game postponed after that. So yeah, that'll be there. Moving on to Thursday the fifth, Man City defeats Chelsea one nil with a Ruben Mares goal in the sixty third minute. Chelsea continues to suffer in the Premier League at the hands of new manager Graham Potter. And then we had a long break this past week due to Carable Cup, FA Cup matches. Uh, we'll go back a little bit more. Third, Tuesday the 3rd, Manchester United defeated ASC Bournemouth 3-0. Casemiro with a 23rd-minute goal. Luke Shaw with a 49th-minute goal. And Marcus Rashford with an 86th-minute goal. And then Arsenal tied third-place Newcastle United 0-0 at full-time. Newcastle have been one of the shocks in the Premier League this year. Third place currently. It would be crazy if that ended up being the case. Le- Leicester City de- loses to Fulham, which is my dad's team, 1-0. Mitrovic scored in the 17th minute, who is probably in second, I believe, right now in the Golden Boot race in the Premier League. And coming up this on Thursday, we have today, so it's Fulham versus Chelsea at 2 p.m. later today. Aston Villa leads tomorrow at 2. And Saturday, United versus City in the Manchester Derby at 6.30 a.m. Central. That's going to be a good one. I hope. We've been in good form. We've won our seven of our last our last eight Premier League matches. So I guess I'll be heading over to your place pretty early for that one. I feel like I'm going to be going to Connors to watch that. All we right, still got to talk about that. over to Connors then. Uh, and then other matches than that one that will be on that day, Everton versus Southampton. This could be a very important match for relegation terms. Everton, I believe, is in 18th place. Southampton is in last place in the Premier League. So this one could come down to the wire and be a very big swing for either team who would win or tie that they did. Um, Other matches of concern. Another match that has a potential... Wolverhampton versus West Ham, so 17th and 19th on the table. Reminder that the 18th, 19th, and 20th teams are relegated each year. So this is also could be a very big swing in terms of relegation talk. And then Sunday, Chelsea 
versus Daniels Crystal Palace Eagles at 8 a.m. Newcastle versus Fulham and Tottenham Hotspur and Arsenal in the North London Derby at 10:30 a.m. Central. So I'll kind of run through the table real quick. That's why we? Yeah, we have a, Yeah, we have some time. We have a little bit. Um, Arsenal in one, Man City in two, Newcastle United in three, Griggs and our friend Connors Manchester United in four, my roommate Ethan's to- uh, yeah, Tottenham Hotspur in five. Liverpool in six, Fulham in seven, eight, Brighton and Hove, Albion, nine is Brentford, ten is Chelsea, eleven is Aston Villa, twelve is Crystal Palace, thirteen is Leicester City, fourteen is Leeds United, fifteen, Nottingham Forest, sixteen, AFC Bournemouth, seventeen, West Ham United, eighteen, Everton, nineteen, Wolverhampton Wanderers, and twenty, Southampton. So, if you're a Crystal Palace fan like me, <laughs> you can probably rest assured we aren't getting relegated this year. Uh, I wouldn't say that just yet. Yeah, however, there's a lot of ball left to be played. So a lot, yes. If there's we don't still... pick up some wins, we could easily fall out. Yeah, I think after this weekend, I think it will officially be halfway through the season since you played 38 games. Uh, man, so, yeah, 19 plus 19, yeah. So, a lot of chances still left, but I wouldn't just count it out just yet, man. No, you, anyone you can't. can't really. But yeah, there's some teams at the top that can't be. But yeah, but that is gonna do it for our Premier League and um, World Cup talk. When we come back, we are going into the world of college basketball. It's been a pretty interesting year so far in college basketball. We not talked too has. much about it yet, but rest assured, we got all your coverage. Come when we come back from breaks. So don't go anywhere. This is the Eagles Nest on Weagle 91.1 FM. Welcome back into the Eagles Nest here on Weagle 91.1 FM. I am Daniel Locke alongside me is Griggs Blankenberg. It's been a fun kickoff to the spring 2023 semester so far. We opened the show off by recapping the very end of college football season. Then we decided to talk some ball, some Premier League, and some World Cup action. And now we're going to get back to something that is very near and dear to Griggs and I's hearts, college basketball. How we got it. Mm, sorry, how we got our start on the show. Indeed, a little over a year. So it's our, I think it's our year anniversary show today. I think. Uh, I think next week we'll make it. Next since week. I don't think we did a first show. So like, I guess Wednesday or something. I'll, I'll get back and look. We'll figure it out. But yeah, college basketball. I guess we'll just start off by going through the current AP poll rankings. Let's do it. So in first place in this week's AP poll has been the Houston Cougars at the one spot. Second are the Kansas Jayhawks, reigning national champions. Third are the Purdue Boilermakers. Fourth are the Alabama Crimson Tide. Fifth are the Tennessee Volunteers. Sixth are the Yukon Huskies. Number seven are the UCLA Bruins. Eighth, Gonzaga Bulldogs. Ninth, Arizona Wildcats. Tenth, Texas Longhorns. Eleventh, Kansas State Wildcats. Twelfth are the Xavier Musketeers. Thirteenth are the Virginia Cavaliers. 14th, Iowa State Cyclones, 15th, Arkansas Razorbacks, 16th, Miami Hurricanes, 17th, TCU Horn Frogs, 18th are the Wisconsin Badgers, 19th are the Providence Friars, 20th are the Missouri Tigers, 21st are the Auburn Tigers, 22nd are the Charleston Cougars, or wait, yeah, yeah, 23rd are the San Diego State Aztecs, 24th are the Duke Blue Devils, and the 25th are the Marquette Golden Eagles. And one team I kind of want to highlight that's kind of on the outside looking in at the top 25, Florida Atlantic has 33 votes. That's a lot. Yeah, that is a lot. They must have had lost, like, what, one game? Yeah, and um, they must have pulled off an upset somewhere. One team that I like that's prone to getting upset, the Indiana Hoosiers, taking a 20-point loss to the excuse me, Penn State Nittany Lions last night. Ew. Last night? Yeah. 
Come on, Coach. Come on, Coach Woody. I mean, the drop from 15th, drop 10 spots from 15th and not being ranked is brutal. Dude, the best way I can describe this the past six years of Indiana basketball is winning a game you shouldn't, getting some momentum, and it carries for a little while, and then you do something like that. You lose to a team by 20 points who's not very good. Sounds like the Cowboys in the playoffs. Yeah, that's a good comparison. Um, Surprise so far for me in this top 25. Um, I mean, UConn lost last night. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, some other teams lost in this one. Arkansas lost. I hate to say it, but Alabama, man. Alabama's really yeah. stinking good right now. Yeah, Brandon Miller's a baller. But for me, it's kind of weird that Texas, you know, a team that's 13-2 and two and currently ranked number 10 in the country, would fire their head coach. Do you not know why he was fired? Oh, is it something? Oh, oh yep, this is probably something bad. <laughs> I'm, I didn't read the full story. I apologize. Moving on. Um, other teams that surprised me, this one um, – I don't. Um, Xavier's looked good. Xavier has looked good. Wisconsin also, after losing Johnny Davis, still 18th in the country. They lost to Illinois the other night, but a lot of good. Auburn fans won't be too thrilled to hear this. But after a down couple of years, the Virginia Cavaliers are looking like they'll definitely be a top five seed come tournament time. Oh yeah, hundred percent. And then another team that surprised me. Shout out my boy Ben, the Charleston Cougars. 15 straight wins. Or actually, sorry, 16 straight wins. Unbelievable. Their only loss was to the North Carolina Tar Heels, 102-86. They have won every single game since then. Also last night, defeating the UNC Wilmington Seahawks, 71-69. And it looks like they might go the rest of the way. Did you happen to see the very end of that game? I didn't because it was on some obscure streaming site that I had never heard of. I saw on SportsCenter. But um, UNCW, they had a buzzer beater three that, like, rimmed in and rimmed out. Not to bring back any bad memories, but it reminded me a lot of the Wake Forest Duke one last year. If you remember, that was kind of sad. Oh, yeah, that was two years ago. I remember that one. Oh, that was brutal. But then again, shout out my guy Ben Burnham, who I went to high school with, who graduated me, was the leading scorer for most of that game last night. And the Charleston Cougars have a very good chance of being an at-large bid into this NCAA tournament. Those are teams you always have to watch out for. Oh, yeah. Especially, they've already beaten some power conference teams. Like, they beat Virginia Tech. Was, yeah, that, that one's not looking as good now. But then down the stretch, I mean, if they can run pretty much the table, I mean, I, I think they could be an at-large team. I think so, too. It's very possible. Um, other surprise, I mean... Thank goodness Auburn beat Arkansas because if we lost that game, we would have dropped out 100%. Oh, yeah, for sure. I'm surprised we even moved up one. I thought we were just going to say the same. Yeah, but the good thing about that game is it just, after that devastating loss to the Georgia Bulldogs in Athens, it definitely put like a spark back into the program, a lot more excitement. Uh, the team looked a lot better. They looked infinitely better in, Ole Miss, in the Ole Miss game than they did in the Georgia game. Like those two games later, it's a completely different team. Auburn's just a second-half team this year, man. Yeah, they really are, and I'll be interested to – I imagine that they'll be able to kind of we'll, – we'll talk about this more later, but hopefully they can kind of keep the momentum rolling and remain unbeaten until they travel up to Knoxville, Tennessee on February 4th. I mean, we'll see. I mean, yeah, they got a little bit – we'll be at a little ways to go before then, but I mean, right now it seems likely-ish, I think. Yeah. 
Um, player of the year so far for you. Do you have any names that you want to give out? Um, College basketball. I have one name. I mean, Brandon Miller at Alabama is obviously insane, but you know maybe he won't quite stay that insane. I'm gonna give you a name. Okay. I'm gonna give you Zach Eady of Purdue. I mean, he yeah. went from someone last year who looked like he was scared to play basketball to absolutely dominating it this year. I mean, he's averaging 21, 13, 21 points, 13 rebounds. So he's eighth in the nation in points, 13 or leading the nation in rebounds. And he's just getting it done, man. I mean, I'm, especially I'm last year, he was just not that good, from what I remember. Yeah, if college basketball has, I don't know if they do have like a most improved player kind of thing, he'd definitely probably be in the running for it. Oh, yeah, 100%. Um, Azulis Tubulis uh, from Arizona, I, I probably butchered that name, averaging 20.6 points and 9.1 rebounds on a team that's pretty good and has a lot of talented players. So he's one that I've kind of keeping my eye on. So, I just can't get over Bam. Bama's really good, man. They are. Um, I just hope that we don't get swept by them. I hope we can just manage to beat them at home. Let's hope. We're going to need a lot of things to help go our way yet because they didn't, haven't done what they did last year and losing random games but then winning some big ones yet. So Yeah, but the crowd will definitely be a factor in that one. All right, so we're midway through college basketball, right? Yeah. Who would you think is I mean if this season ended today, mm-hmm. well just in your brain factoring in stuff that happens afterwards, give me your four number one seats going into the tournament. Okay. Definitely Houston, just because the Big Twelve's not really that great this year. So they'll likely just keep keep on keep on winning and then they'll probably go into the they'll probably win the Big uh, Twelve. Houston's the American. I think they're moving into the Big 12 in a couple of years, so I, they, I don't blame you. Well, still, same thing. Um, Kansas, just retweet what I just said about Houston. It applies there as well. Uh-huh. So I think Houston and Kansas. I don't trust Alabama. Like, they're currently number four. I don't trust them to hang on. I definitely think they'll be a two or a three. Um, then a team that's been there and done that before, I could see Gonzaga taking one. I mean, yeah, they. They're, I mean, they're due for one conference loss a year, but. Yeah, I mean, I can't see them. I agree with I agree with you. I go I'd go Houston, Kansas, Gonzaga, and then who are you thinking for your fourth? Arizona. Arizona. They did lose by a decent amount the other day. They did. They did, but plenty of time for the Cavs to bounce back. My fourth team. Oh, this is a tough one. I'll say this while you're thinking about it. The one thing that held me back from saying Purdue is just the Big Ten. There are definitely some trap games that you'll lose. And the Big Ten just kind of just implodes upon itself, really. Where the t- Kind of like the SEC, you win the home games, you'll lose the road games against the same team. I'm not going to go Arizona. I'm going to go UCLA. I like Mick Cronin. He's a good coach. And that's valid. Yeah, that's who I'm going to go. Then they've been in the Final Four before. They got the experience of the 11 seed in the COVID bubble, whatever it was. Beat Alabama. They did beat Alabama. Yes, that is going to do it for our college basketball talk. When we come back, we're still kind of talking about college basketball. We're talking about Auburn men's and women's basketball. So don't go anywhere. This is the Eagles Nest on Weagle 91.1 FM. Welcome back into the Eagles Nest here on Weagle 91.1 FM. I am Daniel Locke. Alongside me is Griggs Blankenberg. And we've had a pretty good show today. We have talked about the very end of college football, 
We talked about the end of the World Cup and what's been going on as of late in the Premier League. Then we talked about college basketball as a whole. Now we're going to talk about college basketball close to home as we'll be spending a few minutes talking about Auburn's women's team and then a few minutes talking about Auburn's men's team. So just to kick it off, Griggs, the Auburn women's team, you know, you started off hot. You had a very good record going into conference play, only a couple losses, but you are yet to pick up a conference win, and the last four games haven't even been close. And on Sunday, you have to take on the number five team in the country on the road, and there's a 50-50 chance they'll be without their best player, Aicha Kulabali. I mean, yeah, starting off not great in the on the um, conference side, but then again, to what I've heard over and over again, it, it is true. This team has just been so injury prone. You're just without key pieces all the time. And then, I mean, at least you got at South Carolina out of the way early, I'd say. True. So that's a probably be a big con- – that. so if you start winning games near the end of the year, that's not going to be a complete confidence wrecker, which is that. Um, I've, they were in it for a minute there at Ole Miss and then just all kind of a sudden just kind of just kind of caved in on itself near the end there. Yeah, that's just one of the worst uh, fourth quarter collapses I've seen in a while. And then Alabama the other night, they're just that's a hard one, man. Losing by thirty one to your in state rival. At home. At home. Uh, I mean I mean, you gotta believe that they'll turn around eventually, right? I mean I think they will. Yeah, they definitely looked better um towards the end of last year than they did at the beginning. And I think if they just kinda keep Keep on. Uh, once you get through this LSU game, you need to start winning. Uh, I guess kind of goes without saying. You have Ole Miss on the road. I mean, excuse me, Mississippi State on the road, followed by Ole Miss at home, then Kentucky on the road, then on Florida, Arkansas at home, and then you have to play South Carolina and Alabama again. So you just you've got to find a way to win two or three of those at least, probably. Yeah. If you like, want to get back into kind of. I don't even know what, because I think everyone goes to the SEC Women's Tournament, regardless. I think so. I can't remember. So, I I mean, last year they were, I don't think they were 14, but they were pretty low down. So, maybe this year just gold be a little higher than you were last year is a good place to kind of start. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think, I mean, this team can turn around. I mean, all, I mean, it's easier said than done, but you just got to get healthy and then just get that consistency going. I mean, there was some games where you're just going absolutely going crazy. But then again, once those injuries kind of hit, just kind of just shakes up that team around. I mean, the other day, I think you were covering, I think there was like, what, four different starters than it usually was? Yeah, um, because honestly, Scott Grayson didn't start. Um, they found out the night before the game, or the morning of the game, that Aisha Kulabali had a concussion and would not be good to go. So you have to start Carissa Richardson, Ja'Kayla Johnson, Precious Johnson, three who are, I don't think, are normally starters. But, yeah. Um, I mean, I believe this team can turn around a little bit. I believe in Coach Jay and what she's doing. It just, I mean, again, it's easier said than done, but he's got to stay healthy and just be able to just take some of those, like, kind of blows early in the season, just kind of push them underneath the rug and get going now that conference is starting up. Yeah, and I think with that, let's switch it over to men's basketball. Auburn's men's basketball team has gotten out to a 3-1 and one start to conference play, the one conference loss being at the hands of the Georgia Bulldogs, 76-64, to um, a, one day over a week ago over in Athens, Georgia. And ever since then, 
this Auburn offense looks like reborn. It's kind of hard to be as bad as an offensive game we had there. But, oh, I can't even say that. We still played Northwestern 43 points. Yeah, that was probably one of the worst offensive performances I'll ever see one of my teams have. Yeah. But then again, just Auburn has not had a lot of, like, I mean, early in the season, I mean, they beat St. Louis 65-60. That's still a very, very low number. I mean, beating UCF by 67-59, that's still a low number. Um. But then, yeah, once they turned around for Arkansas, beat Ole Miss this week by nine. So that was on Tuesday. Auburn won 82-73 to in that one. I believe the leading scorer in that one was Jani Broom. No, I was wrong. It is Window Green Jr., 23 points. Yep, but Jani Broom has second double-double in under a week. That's pretty good. I mean, some team stats, I mean, first half, I mean, Auburn really wasn't shooting that well. It's the second half, it's like we said earlier, kind of turned around. They shot 39.39% in the first half. Second half, they shot 60.71. So, very, very big difference in that one. And then they also went 50% from um, beyond the arc as opposed to going 12% in the first half. Mm-hmm. And it's just that defense. I feel like that Auburn relies very quickly on those get that defensive board and go. Yeah. Mentality, kind of like those old Tar Heel teams would do. Like three people would crash the rebound, then everyone just books it back. Yeah. But then, yeah, to this we got this game this upcoming Saturday. is the throwback game, January 14th, against Mississippi State. Neville Arena, that will be at 7.30 p.m. If you can't make it to Auburn, that will be on the SEC Network. I'm very excited for this one. You know, it's, it's always good to have a home game at the Nev. And night game, the crowd should be electric. Um, it'll be... Definitely be a good atmosphere for sure coming off the two big wins in a row. I feel like the everyone's back on campus. The excitement for the program is there once again. So I'm really counting on the Tigers to come out and just play ball. I, I don't call this an easy game by any stretch oh, no. of the margin, though, because this Mississippi State team, new head coach this year, forgot his name. But then again, you got to remember, they were very good to start off the season, but recently I can't – it's not letting me pull it up. But they were just not – They've the past couple of games they just haven't been winning games that much. No, over their last couple or since conference play started, uh, they opened up conference play with a or dang they had a pretty bad. They had about as hard as a start you can get, losing seventy eight to sixty seven against Alabama at home, and then eighty seven to fifty three against Tennessee on the road. So playing the two best teams to start with, never easy. Then they got the chance to get right against in-state rival Ole Miss, winning 64-54 at home. And then on last night, they took a 58-50 loss to the Georgia Bulldogs in Athens. I mean, if you're on the bright, here's the bright side for if you're Mississippi State, you're getting your Tennessee matchups out of the way early. True, because then you play Auburn on Saturday, then on Tuesday you have Tennessee at home. And then they have to play TCU in the Big 12 Challenge. SEC Challenge, that's brutal. Yeah, definitely not an easy schedule. This Mississippi State one's probably one of the hardest I've seen so far. Only one game against Kentucky, but that's unfortunate. That's unfortunate two against for them. Missouri. That's upset. I mean, you'd probably want to play Kentucky more this year. Yeah. Yeah, Missouri. Missouri's still an interesting team to me because I definitely don't think they're going to finish the year ranked. No, probably not. Um... But, Daniel, this Auburn's men's team, from what we've seen so far, when they can score, they can hang with anyone in the nation. When it's rough scoring-wise, they're going to have to grind out some wins. Yeah, and like, kind of going into that, defensively, Ole Miss's whole game ran through Matthew Morrell. 
um, on the other night. 24 points, 6 rebounds, 4 assists. Just, he is, he he's a baller. And he kind of, he carries this Ole Miss team. Like, this Auburn game wasn't an outlier. So, I'm interested to see what the final score had been if Ole Miss had one or two more guys who could score consistently. Because, you know, they had uh, Ty Fagan score 13 points. And then Jermaine Brakefield with 12. But 13, like, 24, 13, and 12, and then not having anyone else get above six, that's just not going to cut it against a better SEC team. So if Ole Miss just had one more 20-point scorer and a few more in high teens, I feel like they could have been a lot better. Oh, yeah, 100%. I mean, Ole Miss is, you have to think Kermit's days are kind of getting numbered. down. I mean, you would think that, but they seem happy. I mean, there weren't too many fans fans there, so I don't think, I I can't get a read on anything. No. people down there but yeah i mean this auburn team just gets you have an easier stretch to say the least kind of coming up a little bit you got mississippi state then lsu then you travel to at south carolina on your birthday yes fun. uh a&m at home then you travel to morgantown to face college basketball hall of famer bob huggins and the west virginia mountaineers then you play at home. I feel like Auburn's going to score like 90 in that Georgia game at home. I can't see them dropping that one. No, they're going to be mad. And then you travel up to Knoxville on that Saturday. Yeah, that's a hard stretch right there. Um, but I'm planning on going to Knoxville to cover the game. I think you're kind of considering it, right? I'm considering it. I'm just trying to figure out. Auburn fans, please go. I'm not, I'm not making it a day trip, so I'm figuring that out. But. We can talk after the show. <laughs> but then, yeah, I mean, some of these games come, I mean, I don't know, man. That Alabama game on the 11th is scaring me, man. I'm excited about it. I'm excited about it, too. It's just you're going to need to be on your – I mean, it's kind of what we said. I mean, if Auburn can score, they can hang with any – they can beat anyone in the nation. But if they're cold that night, it's going to be very, very – especially against an Alabama – if you were cold shooting against an, this Alabama team, you're going to lose by 20. Yeah, and a big thing, if they can just find a way to sh- this not shut down, but to slow down Brandon Miller, if they can hold him under 20 points, I really like our chances. Yeah, I mean, you just again, you just have – I mean, Alabama's defense isn't too great. It's just you can't give them anything more by missing a lot of these shots. Yeah, and you've, you've got to be elite at the line because this Alabama team fouls a lot. So if you leave a lot of points out there, like that's not going to go well. Is that what you saw when you were at that Gonzaga game? That's why I saw at the Gonzaga game. That's why I saw at the Memphis game, and that's why I saw almost, almost. I almost went to the Ole Miss game, but I watched it. It's the same thing. They foul a lot. So, and plus, Nato's maybe heading to Kentucky. Maybe so, Kentucky. I, I can't Texas. believe that'd be crazy. I mean, what's he done? The most he's done it. I mean, he had that. I think one Elite Eight run with Nevada. Yeah. And then what has he done a bit? He, he was good the, at the, Buffalo. He rebuilt yeah, that program. That. I mean, what he made the Sweet Sixteen. Yeah, one time. That's it, though. I mean, I mean, he's a good recruiter, but that's his biggest strength. The in-game. So, well, I don't know if Kentucky's going to want as good as a recruiter. I mean, Cal's one of the best there was, but then again, but Kentucky kind of recruits itself. I feel like. That don't, is. Don't take that literally, Brian Harson. That is. But <laughs> yeah, Auburn will just recruit itself. We don't need. Yeah, it's funny. Um, but yeah, I think this next. Four game stretch for Auburn is one where if you go, you don't go four and zero, that could be seen as a big problem. Yeah. To recap, Mississippi State, a good LSU team on the road. If you're going to drop one of these, it needs to be that one. A 
subpar South Carolina team. I'd say not. I'd say very bad South Carolina. Pretty bad, yeah. Um, and then Texas A&M at home, who's just kind of meh. So mid, mid, exactly. So yeah, you just got to get these wins. Just the big thing for the Solvent team: don't drop these games that are should be easy wins. You can't afford that anymore. Especially now that we're around the seventh seed on the bubble right now. Yeah, like you've had your one screw up. Like now it's time to build back. Yeah, we don't want to get into a place late in the year where they're having to reevaluate. Well, well, they beat a Northwestern team by one point. And they scored forty three in that game. You can't get into that kind of territory. Right. And then, man, I just can't. I feel like Katie Johnson's got to break out one of these couple, one of these games, man. It just feels so due. Yeah, it really does. Um, because he's just been pretty bad the last couple games. He's just but. been in a slump, man. But. I feel like he's got to break in one of these next couple games. Yeah, the Eagles Nest has faith in KD Johnson. We do. And then once Yoan Treyor just kind of just – I feel like once he just gets more comfortable with this level of basketball here, then we'll be okay. Yeah, because I definitely feel like Ole Miss was his best game to date. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that is going to do it for our first half of the show. When we come back, we're talking about the world of the NHL and the NBA. Oh, wait, we're doing two segments now. That's right. We're so- coming back and we'll talk NHL. Sounds good. So don't go anywhere. You're listening to the Eagles Nest on Weagle 91.1 FM. And welcome back into the Eagles Nest, everybody. You're once again hanging out with Daniel Locke and Griggs Blinkenberg. In our new time here at the Eagles Nest, we're doing 11 at 1 p.m. every single Thursday here on Weagle 91.1 FM. We now we talked in the first half about college football, college basketball, Auburn, men's and women's basketball and also a little bit of footy a little bit talking about that premier league and world cup but now as chance the rapper once said it's time to do that hockey and let's as we always do when we talk about individual sports let's go straight into our standings talk first off leading the nhl in points and leading it off in the atlantic division of the eastern conference it is the big it is the bad it is daniel's boston bruins with a record of 32 4 and 4 68 points and one Winter Classic W. So, Daniel, great stretch you've had for the Bruins. 8-0 in your last 10. For sure. And a lot of that 10 was made up of a trip out to California to knock out our road games against those opponents. And I felt bad for the Anaheim Ducks because they're a team that is near and dear to my heart because of Mighty Ducks. But, man, that 7-1 victory looks sweet. <laughs> and then just, I really can't wait to our next game with Toronto. That's going to be a lot of fun. I just... If anyone doesn't know, Toronto is my least favorite team in the league, followed closely by Carolina and Edmonton and then Tampa <laughs> and St. Louis. I don't like them either. Yeah. Um, Griggs and I have shared a lot of the least favorite teams together. Yes, we do. In the NHL, that is. Mm-hmm. And um, I like the Blackhawks, despite what happened uh, nine years ago. I've forgiven. I forgot but, it's been nine years. It feels like yeah. it was just yesterday. It, it does, doesn't it? But, yes, I'll let Griggs continue. Yes, in second place of the Atlantic, it is the Toronto Maple Leafs with 59 points, 26-9-7, followed by the Tampa Bay Lightning reigning Eastern Conference champions, 51 points, Buffalo Sabres, 42, as well as the Florida Panthers, the Detroit Red Wings have 41 points, Ottawa Senators, 39 points, and the Montreal Canadiens at 35. Again, we've said this all the time during the show. I'm just disappointed about Ottawa, man. I thought they were going to be so much different. You bring in DeBrinket, you bring in uh, Claude Giroux, 
and then you're sitting at, near the bottom of the Atlantic. I just didn't see that happening. Yeah, I was talking to my dad one night before I came back from break about the anomaly of the one-year contending window, mainly talking about the 2021 Red Sox. But then I brought up these Ottawa Senators because, you know, last team, like the year before last, they weren't great. Last year, they were a President's Cup contender. Now, this year, they are, they're not looking very good at all. Yeah, no, I just, man, that stinks. I just wanted to see Debrinket do well. I did too. I feel like they could turn around too, but then again, just, I can't, I imagine they're going to have to change like managers or coach after this one. Yeah, that, that's probably for the best. And then Montreal, I mean, you got Corey Price back, but then I thought it was going to be the difference maker, man, because they were around the same spot they were last year with that, without Price, and then now they're still at the bottom, so. Yeah. Too bad, so sad, Canadian stink. <laughs> Moving on now to the Metropolitan Division. Carolina Hurricanes are in first place with a record of 25-9-7, and followed by the New Jersey Devils with 55 points, the New York Rangers with 53 points, Washington Capitals 52, Pittsburgh Penguins 48, New York Islanders 47, Philadelphia Flyers at 41, and the Columbus Blue Jackets at 26. Yeesh. Yeah, it's bad. Um, I don't really know... I kind of thought that this Jersey team was just kind of a flash in the pan at first, and they were going to like kind of stall out, but it doesn't look like that's going to happen. Yeah, it's still kind of a surprise. They were number one in the NHL for a little bit. I think yeah, like they week. were going back with the Bruins, like back and forth for like most points. Um, but yeah, they just they might be a team to beat out of the Metro this year. No, I think they'll win. I think they'll they'll definitely make the playoffs. Yeah, but I, I don't know how far they'd advance in my eyes. I think it'll be a first-round exit because a lot of times in the NHL, when you see a team like it's their first year kind of being a contender and they're not – like playoff experience is valuable in any sport. NHL, crank that up a notch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it being like your first time in the playoffs with this core, I don't think it'll go well. But next year I feel like they can really make a splash. Agreed. Um. Yeah, moving on now down to the Western Conference – in the Central Division, the Dallas Stars are leading the Central with 56 points, 25-11-6, and six, followed by the Winnipeg Jets at 53 points, the Minnesota Wild 48, St. Louis Blues at 45, Nashville Predators 44, Colorado Avalanche at 40, excuse me, 43, Arizona Coyotes 31, and the Chicago Blackhawks at 24. So with the Avalanche, this was the team, you and I both picked them to repeat in yes. our first show. We both, I think we both picked them to win the President's Cup again. But I think, they, yeah, I think we did both those, yeah. 20 wins, 16 regulation losses, three overtime losses. Just very meh team. And, um, yeah, I just don't really, yeah, there's, I don't really know what to say because they have a lot of the same players. Um, I think the roster is pretty much the same. I know McKinnon was out with a little while for a little while, but I think he's been playing. I think what's really hurt them is the injury to uh, Gabriel Landeskog. Yeah, I think that's what's really, really hurt them. He's not nowhere. I'm reading the injury report right now. He's nowhere close to being able to return to the lineup. That's got to hurt for them. Big piece on the left wing, and then Valerie Nishushkin. That's got to hurt too on the right wing. He's day to day now, but yeah, McKinnon had a little bit of stuff. I mean, it's kind of what my friend Bo was talking about when he was listening to the show. He's like, I don't know, man. I mean, they do have their goalkeeper problems. And I'm like, eh, but look what they did last year still did that. It's kind of no. I mean, you still got Kyle McCarr, who's the best defender in the league. Leaps and bounds ahead of anyone. But, yeah, I mean, it is so hard to repeat in any sport. True. But 
I definitely we we both definitely didn't expect him to have this kind of kind of kind of it is right now. No, and it really kind of makes you respect even more what the Lightning have been able to do the past few years. Yeah, exactly. Going to salary cap debt. Well, we don't need to talk <laughs> about that. Um, I didn't expect Winnipeg to be that high right now. No, I didn't either. They, they've definitely been the biggest surprise out the West, I think, because last year they were a bottom feeder. Yeah, they were. Kind of like the Devils a lot, that they're second in their mm-hmm. division about the same number of points. But – like last year, they were a bottom feeder, and then now they're looking like they're going to be a solid playoff team. And then the Blackhawks. <laughs> it's kind of like what I said at the beginning of the year. They're winning games really early on in the year. I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, maybe we don't have to tank. Yeah, <laughs> and now, I, yeah. I hate to see it. I I I hate to see any original six team that's not Montreal suffer because that's just the that's the foundation of the sport right there. So even though I don't like the Rangers by any stretch, I want them to be good because it's just good for the sport. And with the Blackhawks, I do like the Blackhawks a lot because they're just a team in one of the biggest hockey towns in the country who have a great, great following. No one can deny it despite what's going on. So I really hope for the sake of the best, the best, I admit it, fan base in the NHL that they can get back to prominence very, very soon. However, there is a 17-year-old from North Vancouver, Canada. I got my eye on, man. I, I, want, him. I want him so bad. Dude, R- hockey scouting is like the most fun thing ever because it's so hard. Like, you know, with um, basketball and football, and like there's perfect game for baseball, 24-7 on three, like all that good stuff for football and basketball recruiting, that's great. Hockey recruiting, it is a lot more obscure, I guess you could say. So it's just it is one of my favorite pastimes to look into hockey prospects. I want Bedard man so bad. I feel like we're gonna find a way to lose it in the we're gonna get messed up in that lottery man, but I want him so bad. Especially with Taze probably on the way out soon. Yeah. And keeping Bedard might be a way to keep Kane around for a little while longer. I agree. I just hope Kane retires of this man. Yeah, well, one thing that's good is he's raised three cups with you. Because a lot of times when you see a player who's been with the team forever, one of their best players in franchise history, leave is to go chase a cup. Mm-hmm. And But he's kind of done everything. Like, Is there a major thing that he hasn't now won? Now he's won the Hart Trophy. He's won three cups. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, think I, mean I guess a gold medal, but that's not really relevant to the NHL. It should be, man. I wish that was. I wish they still let him in there. I agree. That'd be, that was that's what twenty the twenty twelve uh, the twenty ten Winter Olympics that Canada versus USA that was like kind of the first like real time I ever watched like Olympic hockey and that was oh that was such a good it's a different game for sure mm-hmm. it's cool but different yeah but they're bad they're so so bad <laughs> oh man that's kind of hard like when you want to like what what they kind of did last year like you want to commit to the tank but you have so many pieces you have Kane you have Taves you have Debrinket you have Doc. You have all these players. It's hard to commit to the tank like that. True. Um, moving on now to the Pacific. We spent way too much time with the Blackhawks. Um, the Pacific, the Vegas Golden Knights, and the Los Angeles Kings are tied for first place in that division with both having 56 points. The Seattle Kraken in third with the longest win streak active right now in the NHL. They have a six-game win streak at 52 points, followed by the Calvary, Calgary Flames and Edmonton Oilers at 47 points. Vancouver Canucks, 37. San Jose Sharks, 34 points. And the Anaheim Ducks at 28 points. So the Kraken 
are definitely the team that wows me the most. Like Vegas, they, they've ran this division really ever since they came to the league. That's still carrying over with first-year head coach Bruce Cassidy. Um, I know him very well. As, or not first, <laughs> you know what I mean, being the Bruins head yes. coach for six years. Yes. Then the Kings, they, they were kind of mid last year. They're looking good. But the Kraken, man, that is – I don't really think anyone saw this coming. I said I think they were – I said – um, in our first NHL show that I thought they would be improved, but I didn't think that they'd be third in the Pacific. And like you said, six-game winning streak, unfortunately tonight, or not unfortunately, but that will be put up to a very big test as they head to Boston. To, or they're already there probably, but they take <laughs> on Boston tonight. Yeah, I mean, that's a very tough one. This can, I think this would be the battle. I mean, if Boston loses, wins this, they have the longest active win streak. If mm-hmm. And then if the Kraken winner, they have the longest active by, like, four games. I wouldn't be upset too bad if the Bruins lost this one, just because I want to see the Kraken do well. I really do. Yeah. Seattle needs something. Like, yeah, yeah. they had the Seahawks a decade ago, but you're not getting any uh, favor in baseball. I mean, they got the, they're in the playoffs right now. Yeah, true. And they did make the playoffs this year in baseball, too. Yeah, I guess it's been a little better this year. Than yeah, it's been a, kind of a great year, year kind of for Seattle. True. True. Yeah, yeah. I probably should have thought about that one for a second longer, but it's okay. But yeah, um, yeah. Seattle's doing good, man. It's good to see. We'll head to the stats for a quick couple minutes. Of course, in first place in the points, it's still the same. It's Connor McDavid, seventy-nine points, followed by his teammate Leon Draisaitl at sixty-three. That's kind of crazy. They're sitting at the set on the second wild card spot right now, and you have the two top point scorers. That just shows how bad of a team that is. Yeah, um, I think that they should both go take their talents to Chicago. I think that'd be a great idea. Yeah, um, Nikita Kucherov with Tampa Bay, fifty-nine points. David Pasternak, fifty-eight, as well as Jason Robertson of Dallas at fifty-eight goals. Connor McDavid leads the way, thirty-five. Pasternak, thirty-two. Tage Thompson of Buffalo, thirty-one. Jason Robertson of Dallas, twenty-nine, and Alex Ovechkin at twenty-nine as well. He's getting close, man. He is. Uh, he's not as close to the scoring record as LeBron is. We'll talk about that next, but definitely getting there. Yes. Uh, plus minus Hamptons Lindholm for Boston, 29. Joe Pavelski for Dallas, 28. Ryan Graves, New Jersey, 25. Thomas Tater, New Jersey, 24. And Issa Lindell of Dallas with 23. And then Linus Ulmark is winning every single category for goalies. He has been so solid this year. He's the only goalkeeper with a Sub two goal allowed uh, goals allowed a game. Oh yeah, he is so fun to watch. Mm-hmm. I wish I had something like that. I did for a little while with. I don't. He was really good last year. We him we had um, uh, Flurry. He was very, he was very fun to watch. Yeah, he uh, held Tampa in check when I saw him. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that is going to do it for NHL talk. Daniel kind of alluded to it already, but when we come back, we're going in the world of the National Basketball Association. So don't go anywhere. This is the Eagles Nest on Weagle 91.1 FM. Welcome back to the Eagles Nest here on Weagle 91.1 FM. I am Daniel Locke alongside me today, and as always, Greg Blankenberg. We are going to get into the National Basketball Association right this very minute. Let's do that quickly. Let's run through the standings real quick in the NBA. It's been a second since we talked about them, but let's just go ahead and do it. First off, we have the Boston Celtics in first place in the Eastern Conference, followed by the Brooklyn Nets two games behind, followed by the Bucks two and a half, then the 76ers and Cavs with four games back, Knicks and Pacers seven games back. 
Um, Heat are eight games back. Hawks are ten and a half. Bulls eleven. And then in the non-playoff spots currently right now, the Toronto Raptors, Washington Wizards, Orlando Magic, Detroit Pistons, and in last place in the entire NBA. Yeah. <laughs> it's the Charlotte Hornets. Yeah, I um I really thought that this was kind of going to be the year that the Hornets kind of climbed up the play in like the sixth seed maybe. Not but what, I thought that too and then Miles Bridges went out and yeah. yeah. That's that's what I was going to say. I, I really feel like that kind of took any momentum they had and just put a fork in the balloon. It's what I've been saying, man. We just need a center. I mean, when you have Mason Plumley starting every single night and then LaMelo out for all that time. I just don't get it, man. I went to the Detroit Pistons versus the Shellhorns, which was at the time the worst matchup in the entire NBA. Me and my friend Jackson got in for 10 bucks each. No taxes, everything. Like, I didn't pay for parking, nothing. Dang. 10 bucks each. Did that. And then I watched the Hornets give 141 points to the, the Detroit Pistons without Cade Cunningham. You know how bad that is? Pretty bad. Yes. I just can't. This team's just so bad. I mean, my sports are just terrible, except Manchester United. Manchester United's like the only thing getting me through the day. But on the complete opposite side, the Celtics look really good. They have the complete, almost the exact opposite of what the Hornets record is. Yeah, the Celtics definitely look good. Um, TD Garden has seen a lot of wins. Um, there have only been like a combined, I think, 15 losses between the two winter sports at TD Garden so far. I think there's been 11 wins from the Hornets in total. So there's that. Yeah, um, Michael Jordan's got to make some phone calls. They follow me on Twitter, so I'm not going to say it's anything too outlandish. And I'm so stuff. jealous of that. I wish the Celtics followed me on Twitter. I mean, the Hornets and the Panthers follow me on Twitter. The Blackhawks and the Cubs still don't. How'd that happen? If you don't want me, they like do like the remember like sometimes teams will do like reply with a gif or whatnot. Oh, okay, they did that. So gotcha. there's that. Uh, moving on to the Western Conference now, tied for first in this division are the Denver Nuggets and the Memphis Grizzlies, followed by the um, New Orleans Pelicans in third with three and a half back. Sacramento Kings five and a half back. Dallas Mavericks also five and a half back. Clippers seven back now into the playing games. Phoenix Suns eight back. Golden State Warriors, eight back. And then the Jazz and Timberwolves, eight and a half back. Followed by the Timber, uh, Bla- Trailblazers, Lakers, Thunder, San Antonio Spurs. And technically, actually, the Hornets are not the worst team in the NBA. The worst team in the NBA are the Houston Rockets. There you go. There's that. Yeah. Hey, one sliver of hope. It can always be worse. All I right. could have the worst teams in both division, both sports. You <laughs> My, could. Which but you could, don't. Could be very possible after another week. We could. Shush, Siri. Um, but, yeah, Denver, right back to it, man. Can Jokic get the back-to-back-to-back in the NBA MVP? Has anyone ever done that? Maybe Jordan. Maybe Jordan, they just started giving him to – like, no offense to Charles Barkley, but then yeah. they just had to give it to other people. Not, it's kind of like what they do now. Like, Mahomes would probably deserve to win the MVP again this year. Yeah, and LeBron's deserved it a lot more, but, yeah. But So, yeah. I – I think I don't think he'll get it just for that. He's I just really so hope good. Jason Tatum gets it. That's the homer in me. But <sighs> Shai Gilkis Alexander is looking I good. I definitely give Shai Gilkis Alexander most approved. Oh, for sure. I definitely would do that. Yeah. But yeah, it's yeah. Denver's off to a good start, and then Memphis right now too. 
with John Morant going off still. It's just kind of crazy. Like, and I think Memphis, I still don't think like they have enough to get it done. No, I don't either. Unfortunately. Unfortunately, they're still they're still the two seed. Like, I can only name a few players in their team. It's crazy. Jaw. Oh goodness, I'm gonna embarrass myself. This, this uh, they still have Stephen Adams. I think they do. Hold on, let me check. Yes, they still do have Stephen Adams. But looking through this entire list, like I know, like maybe three players on this team. They have uh, Stephen Adams, like you said, um, Kennedy Chandler, Tennessee last year. Like I remember that name. Uh, Danny Green. Remember him? Jaron Jackson Jr. I remember him. Tyus Jones of Duke. You remember him? Yes. Holy cow. What a blast in the past. Uh, Jake LaRavia. We saw him play last year. He's the wake guy. Oh, yeah. That was fun. Um, Jaw, of course. And then, yeah, that's about it, man. It's crazy. It's, they're the two seed. We can only name a few people. I mean, you, we had to struggle to get Steven Adams. And usually the NBA, you need a bunch of people, people's names that you can know to get it done. I agree. Um, still great. I feel like the Lakers are going to find a way to get in the playoffs, man. I hope they don't, but I feel like they're going to find a way. I yeah, I really. It'd be kind of cool if they got in somehow, got to the finals, and the Celtics got to pass them against them. Let's talk about one team, man. I'm very upset about now. It's the Trailblazers, man. When we started the show this year, they were cooking, and I mean cooking. They were. And now. Ever since November, uh, ever since November seventeenth, they've won one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine games since November. Yeah, and they've they've only won one of their last like seven. Two of their last one, two, one. three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Ooh, only two of their last eleven. Yeah, I mean, this is the team. They were like what second in the West? Yeah. That's crazy, man. They just had a complete nosedive down. Yeah, they definitely don't look as fearsome as they did in, like, November and early December. But they have the Cavs tonight, so we'll see if they can get it right. Surprise for you in the NBA so far this year. Um, They were kind of on the cusp of being a good team, like a really good team last year. But the way New Orleans has played, sometimes with Zion, sometimes without Zion – and the fact that they've won 25 games and they're currently the third seed in the Western Conference, only three and a half games out of the first, I just I didn't really think this was coming. And as a New Orleans sports fan, like the Pelicans aren't my team, the Celtics are, but I definitely have a lot of friends and family who are Pelicans fans, so I'm very happy for them. But I just I never thought that I would see the Pelicans ever really be a consistently good team just because I really just don't feel like it's not like the Saints where at this point with the Saints there's kind of a standard the Pelicans don't really have that so I don't know I'm definitely very pleased to sum all that up for me I'm gonna go with the Kings it's kind of we were talking about this year they don't have like we were talking about I mean I remember me you and Ethan were having the discussion about fan bases in the NBA, in the NBA which is like the quietest of the worst ones. We were talking Magic, yeah. the Kings. But, yeah, the Kings have really, 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 really uh, kind of turned around this year. They're in the fourth seed right now in the West. And kind of going off of that Grizzlies thing we were talking about, we only have, like, what, De'Aaron Fox, like a few players we can name on their team. Yep. But now 
Domantas Sabonis has been oh, yeah, a beast Sabonis. on the boards. I forgot about And assists. And they have Kevin Huter. He was on the Hawks last year. Oh, yeah. Megan Murray. The, the ginger. I remember yeah. him. And Malik Mock's still there. Oh, gosh. He was going off for the Hornets. And then remember when he got that, like, substance yeah, thing? Yeah. It, it's so bad they didn't release the substance. So I'm like, oh, my gosh. It's the Hornets curse, man. It really is. He was going absolutely crazy. He had a chance to be like a most improved player, and then he gets busted for not like a PED or anything, but like a hard like something. Yeah, I didn't realize that the Kings had Matthew Dellavedova. Ah, uh, Delhi. Forgot he's still in the league. It's crazy. Yeah, I know. Moving on now to some of the stats, real quick. Luka Doncic of the uh, Dallas Mavericks leading the way for points, thirty-four point two, followed by Joel Embiid, thirty-three point six, Giannis Antetokounmpo. 31 points a game. Jason Tame, 30.8, as well as Shea Gilchrist Alexander, 30.8. And assist Tyrese Halliburton of Indiana with 10.2 a game. Trey Young with 9.8. Nikolai Jokic with 9.2. Luka, Don- uh, Luka Doncic with 80, uh, 8.7 assist a game. And then Russell Westbrook, 7.9. Huh. Yeah, I definitely feel like Russ has taken a step back ever since he left Houston. But, you know, that eight assists isn't bad. Three pointers made. Steph Curry topped the board. Five five threes made per game. Lamella Ball in second, four point two. Clay Thompson third, third four. Buddy Heald three point nine, as well as Donovan Mitchell. I was looking for Buddy Heald a second ago when we were looking at Kings players, but I forgot he's on the. Um, I forgot he was on Indiana uh, now yeah, too. I Pacers, about that. Gosh. Um. You talked about early and just a second ago. Uh, Sabonis leads the way in his uh, rebounds, followed by Gobert with twelve, Giannis with eleven point nine, Stephen Adams with eleven point five, and Nikolai Jokic with eleven. But yeah. I mean, hey, look at Walker Kessler, man, one point nine blocks a game, fourth in the entire NBA. Way Let's to go, go. Walker! You love to see it. Love to see that. That's gotta. That's good. If we just judged. Offensive player of the year off of board, uh, blocks, he'd be leading the way. They should uh, hang a banner in Neville Arena for that. <laughs> um, What else? Can we? Um, Any big stories in the NBA before we go to break? Um, Not a ton. Trade deadline coming up a little bit. I can't think of anyone right now who, off the top of my head, I'm like, he's going to probably be gone. I just can't think of one name. <laughs> Yeah, I can't really either. Um, I could see. Oops, I closed out of it. Um, I could see the Knicks potentially trying to make something happen. I do too, but I just can't think of who it would be. I don't think you want to give up Julius Randle. I don't think you want to either. But then again, I feel like it's very important for them to stay out of that play-in tournament. Yeah, I feel like they're going to try to get a shooter. I'm not really sure what that looks like, but that'd be my goal if I was the Knicks front office. True. But yeah, that is going to do it for our NBA talk. When we come back, we go into the world of the National Football League. NFL is king. We're talking about the playoffs when we come back, so don't go anywhere. This is the Eagles Nest on Weagle 91.1 FM. Welcome back into the Eagles Nest here on Weagle 91.1 FM. I'm Daniel Locke alongside Griggs Blankenberg. I forgot to say this at the top of the show, but 
If you want to have a take read over the air, be sure to tweet us at Daniel J. Locke or at DGriggsB. Without further ado, let's get into some NFL talk. The playoffs start this weekend. It does. NFL is king. Starting off this weekend, Saturday night's matchup, or Saturday afternoon's matchup, the 3.30 game on Fox from Levi Stadium in Santa Clara, California. The Seattle Seahawks going on the road to take on the San Francisco 49ers. That line is currently set at San Francisco minus 9.5. Get into this game for $70. That seems cheap. It does. Something feels off. Yep. Um, I, I don't think it's going to be very close. I just don't. I think Seattle's kind of in over their head here. I do, too. I, Brock Purdy has been that guy so far. I forgot if they vote on the NFL stuff after this round or before this round for I think awards. after. Okay, because if Brock Purdy can win this game, go in 6-0 as a starter, give him offensive rookie of the year. I don't care. Garrett Wilson had, like, two good weeks for the Jets. Brock Purdy's led a playoff team to, like, the number two seed in the NFC. That's pretty hard to do. Yeah. Uh, 7.15 p.m. on NBC from TII Bank Field in Jacksonville, Florida. The Chargers going on the road to take on the AFC South champion Jacksonville Jaguars. The line is currently at Los Angeles minus 2.5, over under 47.5. Getting to this one for as low as $100. I definitely didn't see this one happening this year. Like, I, I didn't see the Jaguars being in this position. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was going to be the Titans again, and the Titans just kind of kind of blew it near the end of the season, really not finishing games well. But, yeah, this I feel like this is kind of a coin flip for me because Jacksonville's on a roll right now. Mm-hmm. But then again, I feel like for Herbert to take that next step, now he's made the playoffs, he needs to win one of these games. Yeah, and last week was a kind of embarrassing 31-28 loss to Denver. So Yuck. Yeah, I, we'll kind of see what happens. I think I'm – well, we're going to save our picks, but I think I know which way I'm leaning. I think oh, – excuse me. I think I am too on that one. Moving on now to Sunday, January 15th, from Orchard Park, New York. The Dolphins travel to take on the Buffalo Bills 12 p.m. on CBS. Line is currently Buffalo minus 13 over under 43 and a half. I can understand why that line is right, like that. Yeah, um, I know which way I'm leaning here. I'm just going to go, it's the Bills for me. Uh, we could say some of these. I'm going Bills. Yeah. Just You're telling me Skylar Thompson's going to win a playoff game in Buffalo, New York? Get out of here. Yeah. No chance, bro. No chance. Uh, yeah, it's kind of, these both were our Super Bowl picks at the beginning of the year. You did say that New England would win that division. I really thought so, but yeah, no. Matt, you should come on, man. You should have seen Matt Patricia as the offensive coordinator. Be like, something was wrong here. Yeah, I, I guess I just wasn't aware at that point that that was a thing that would be happening. <laughs> like, I've never seen such horrendous play calling in my twenty years. I've never football. seen someone who was originally a defensive coordinator go to get a head coach job somewhere, and then after he's done, go go to be an offensive coordinator. I can't think of yeah. anyone who's ever done that before. Me neither. Um, moving on now, 3.30 p.m. on Fox from U.S. Bank Stadium in Minneapolis, Minnesota. It is the New York Giants taking on the N- N- NFC North champion Minnesota Vikings. Line is currently set at Minnesota minus three over under 48 points. I'm not sure. 
I would really like to see New York win. Um, T- Daniel, out of context, I'd really like to see New York win. <laughs> I don't know, man. Just It's not noon, so Kirk Cousins definitely isn't the shoe-in to win. But then again, it's not a primetime game. Yeah. So he's going to be in that middle ground area because he had that 2 p.m. game over the break where he came back from 33 down and won. So the Giants are going to be without three DB or they have three DBs who are questionable. I'm not sure how much of an impact those particular guys have, but you know, it's something. That is something. Yes. Um, I think I know which way I'm leaning in this, but it might come down to the wire. Moving on now to the Sunday night game, 7.15 p.m. on NBC from Paycor Stadium in Cincinnati, Ohio. It is the Baltimore Ravens taking on the AFC, um, what is it, AFC, AFC North? Yeah. AFC North champion, Cincinnati Bengals. Line is currently set at Cincinnati minus nine over under 40.5. Again, I can see why the line is that way. Yeah, I can too. Um, you you have one team that's just very very hot, and another team is just kind of eh, losing three of their last five. Some of these are questionable, like a loss to Pittsburgh and a loss to Cleveland, and a kind of close game with Atlanta. I believe the Ravens are still without. They're going to be without Lamar. Tyler Huntley's question will so who is the next quarterback up for the? Um, I believe it'd be. Right now, it is going to be either Anthony Brown, the rookie out of Oregon, or Tyler uh, or Brent Huntley out of UCLA. If Tyler Huntley cannot go, yeah, that's a tough. Very one. scary sight. If you are a Baltimore Ravens fan, like our friend um, Logan, yeah, very very might be watching his team season finale on Sunday. Yeah, maybe so. But, yeah, I mean, also, if you're the Bengals, I mean, granted, we we didn't talk about any, but great news about DeMar Hamlin and everything out of the hospital now, officially in Buffalo, rehabbing mm-hmm. on its own now. That's great to hear. But if you're the Bengals, man, you got to be mad, man, because you feel like if you kind of got messed up out of that one seed now. Because if you beat Buffalo and then you beat that other game, you could be sitting in that one seed in the, NFC, in the AFC. You could. And like you said, it's a shame to see anything like that ever happen. I hope nothing like that ever happens again because, um, you know, you, you got to be a humanitarian before you got to be a football fan. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I definitely see the point of, like, Cincinnati just feeling a little slighted. I mean, granted, they did have one more loss than the Chiefs. But then again, if they would have won that Buffalo game, they move up one. So, I don't know. but It would have been much more interesting last week if the Chiefs would have lost. I would say that. So not as bad for the Bengals as it could have been, but if the Chiefs lose last week and then if you would have beaten the if that Buffalo game would have been played and you would have beat Buffalo and then you won last week versus the Ravens, you have that tiebreaker over the uh, Chiefs for that one seed because you beat them head to head. Yeah. So I would understand it more if you were not that. But I feel like the Bengals still with Joe Burrow's got a better offensive line now than he did last year. It could be a lot different now. And especially playing the Ravens this week a little bit easier than it is right now. I agree. And finally, Monday night, January 16th, it is at 7.15 p.m. on ESPN, ABC, or ESPN Plus from Tampa, Florida, Raymond James Stadium. It is the Dallas Cowboys taking on the NFC South champion, 8-9 Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Line currently right now is Dallas minus 2.5, and a half, 
over under 45 and a half. You, you, like, you like fun stats, right, Daniel? I love fun stats. You want to hear this fun stat? I'd love to. Tom Brady has never lost to the Cowboys. Really? Yes. Well, let's hope it stays that way. Yes. But then again, do you trust Dak Prescott? No. I don't either. So two and a half to Tom Brady in the playoffs, giving Tom Brady two and a half points feels like a little bit of a slight. I agree. Especially with if Mike Evans played the same way he played against Carolina, this game's going to be over quick. Yeah, they just have that connection. The Cowboys don't really have the defensive coverage to stop that, I don't think. Micah Parsons is very good, though. Agreed. But I just don't know if I trust that Dallas offense. And you have to think, if they lose this game, Mike McCarthy is gone the next day. Mike McCarthy will be fired by the next Eagles nest. Agreed. So do you think that we see more Tom Brady? Or do you think this is it? Or Or do you think we see him in a different uniform? What are you feeling there? I mean, his contract's up after this year. I mean, I feel like he stays in Tampa. I don't see why he would leave now. I mean, I don't like to talk about another man's life, but right now he doesn't really have too much going on. No. I don't know. I I just, for some reason, I just can't see him in Tampa. I feel like he'll go somewhere else um, if he doesn't retire. You think he goes to Las Vegas? Because remember the talk that Dana White was talking about Monday night this year? Yeah. Because Derek Carr is leaving. Yeah, I don't really know what's up with Dana White right now. No, yeah, I mean, that's a whole different thing. We don't mean to talk about that. but That might kind of put a, a, a thorn in any of those plans. Well, what, but Dana White doesn't have anything to do with that, the Raiders because he true. just heard that, that. So do you think Tom would go to Las Vegas? I could see it. Uh, you have a good receiver, like receiving core there with Devontae Adams and Hunter Renthrow. Um, a okay defense, but I don't know. Does he – and um, – Josh McDaniels. He can't think he's going to be around much longer. No. But that's probably his pick, right? Yeah. <sighs> Who knows, man? Who knows? NFL's coming to an end, man. We only got 13 more games. Kind of sad. Yeah, it is kind of sad. It's been a great NFL season. Not for us, but. No, not for us. But, but for it's been fun. Some people have to watch been. it. But then again, it just also. I mean, last year's playoffs were probably the best playoffs I've ever seen. Yeah, they were. So if it's anywhere close to that, I mean, we'll be okay. If it's like half is what it was last year, I'll be fine with it. That's probably going to wrap up the NFL talk here on the Eagles Nest for this week. But we still have a little more to come your way. When we come back, we're going to be giving you our weekend picks on this semester's first installment of Who You Got. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back into the Eagles Nest here on Weagle 91.1 FM. I am Daniel Locke. Alongside me is Griggs Blankenberg. Last semester, I evened it up at one for who you got. But it is a new semester, and therefore time to do it again. So, our weekend picks will be kept throughout the semester. And whoever wins at the end is the winner, obviously. Yes, that is true. Right now, as you said, it's 1-1 now since I've joined the Eagles Nest. But let's kick it off. We don't have too many two different picks this weekend. We have two no. different we have two different games that would be different. Well, let's just go ahead and get it started. First off, we have Seahawks at 49ers on Saturday afternoon. Mr. Locke, who you got? Uh, you got to give me the Niners, man. I just don't think the Seahawks stand much of a chance. I wanted to say someone's nickname, but however, I will not. I'm going with Brock Purdy and the San Francisco 49ers. Give me them. Moving on now down to Duval. It is the San Diego... Uh, Oh, my goodness. Sam- oh, I hate that. I messed that up. Los Angeles Chargers versus the Jacksonville Jaguars. Daniel, you got? You know, give me the Chargers. I definitely feel like they have, without a doubt, more playoff experience than the Jags do. 
and the team's just kind of been trending upwards the last couple of years, so I think that they get past the Jags. Not since the time of 2017 have the Jaguars made the postseason with the one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time at the helm, Blake Bortles. Tom Brady cheated his way, beating them that game, to find a way to ruin Blake Bortles and the Jaguars' chance to get to the Super Bowl, but not today. It starts now. Give me the Jacksonville Jaguars and Trevor Lawrence and Doug Peterson and the team that Urban Meyer built. Give me, I could be a WWE person with that. <laughs> Moving on now on to Sunday now, we have the Dolphins at the Bills. Dolphins will be without Tua Tungavailoa, so it looks like it will be Skylar Thompson as the starting quarterback again. That pretty much says that all that you need to know. But, Daniel, who you got? Uh, Bills. They're, they're the team of destiny, so I just think that's going to happen. Yeah, it's looking great for a Super Bowl pick right now. They're looking hot. So, yeah, give me the Bills. Moving on to Minnesota now. The New York football Giants taking on the Minnesota Vikings in um, USA Bank Stadium. Daniel, you got? I would love to pick uh, New York. I just can't bring myself to do it, so I'm going to have to take Minnesota. I thought about taking New York, but at the same time, I'm like, a first-year head coach right now, I just don't see him. Oh, they're both technically first-year head coaches, but I trust the Vikings more than I trust the Giants on this stage, especially if the if the Vikings got to this point the way are where they are right now. It's a, it takes a lot to get to the Vikings, the 13 wins. So give me the Minnesota Vikings. Now we travel to Cincinnati where the Baltimore Ravens taking on the Bungles in Cincinnati. Daniel, who you got? Um, I definitely think the Bengals are head and shoulders better than the Ravens, and it's at home, and you have Joe Burrow, so I'm going to have to go with the Bengals. Oh, and Lamar might not even be playing. Yeah, kind of the same thing as I said with the Bills and Dolphins game. I mean, I'm going with the Bengals just because of the fact that I don't think that Lamar's probably not, definitely not going to play, I don't think, and then their backup might not even play now. So if the Bills, the Ravens are on their third-string quarterback against Joe Burr. I don't think he's got a chance. Yeah, I don't think so. Now down to Monday night football. It is the Dallas Cowboys taking on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This is going to be on ESPN late on Monday. But Daniel, who do you got? I never root or I never pick against Tom Brady in the playoffs, just out principle. So I'm gonna have to go with the Bucks. I thought about it for a second, but then I remembered that Dak Prescott was still the quarterback. Yeah. So I'm going to go with the Bucks. You have to think about it too. Cooper Rush won like four or five of those games. Yeah. So give me the Bucks. However, if Dak Prescott gets pulled for Cooper Rush and Cooper Rush wins the game, don't uh, don't say I didn't tell you. So I'm going with the Bucks. Moving on now down to college basketball. We got some ranked v ranked matchups. Let's go ahead and kick it off. Kansas State at TCU this Saturday. Daniel, who you got? I'm going to have to go to Kansas State. I'd like to pick TCU. I just don't really think that they're quite at the same level. So I'm just going to K-State. Kansas State's won some good games too recently, man. They beat Baylor recently. I think they beat Texas as well. So, yeah, I'm going to go with Kansas State here this one as well. Just keeping it in the Big 12, though, we have the Iowa State Cyclones taking on the number two ranked Kansas Jayhawks. Cyclones ranked number 11 in the nation, which is crazy still to think about. But they're taking on the national, defending national champions in Allen Fieldhouse. Daniel, you got. I am going to have to go with the Kansas Jayhawks. 
I wish I could pick I I wish I could pick the Cyclone. I just can't bring myself to. If this game flipped and it was at Iowa State, I might pick Iowa State. Yeah, that place is wild. But I'm gonna have to go with Kansas at home. I mean, Kansas rarely loses games at home in the stage. Moving on now down to moving on up actually to the Big Twelve. Excuse me, the Big Ten, as the number I believe number fifteenth ranked Wisconsin Badgers taking on the Indiana Hoosiers in Assembly Hall. Daniel, you got. In the words of the most underrated character from the Harry Potter movies, the security guard at King's Cross Station, you think you're being funny, do you? Is what I have to say about you putting this game on here. But against <laughs> <It's>, my... <laughs> hey, I saw two teams that were red, and I saw a team that was ranked recently. Because it was slim pickings this week for college basketball, okay? I didn't want to pick Xavier versus Marquette on fair Sunday. Enough, fair enough, fair um, Against my better judgment, I'm going to be loyal and go with Indiana. I feel like Wisconsin needs a bounce back. But then again, there's Indiana who definitely needs a bounce back as well. However, I do think Wisconsin's the better team right now. I just Indiana needs to show me something before I can pick them again. So I'm going with Wisconsin. And now the final game, the moment you've all been waiting for, it is the Mississippi State Bulldogs taking on the number 22-ranked Auburn Tigers this Saturday in Neville Arena, 7.30 p.m. on the SEC Network. Last game, Daniel, you got it's at home in the jungle. Need I say more? War Eagle. Auburn. I'm going Auburn as well. I would love Gonzaga to lose one at home so we can have the longest home winning streak. But that's yeah. in the in the western co- in the West Coast Conference, that's never gonna happen. Never gonna happen. But yes, that is gonna do it for us in the show today. If you missed any of the show today, you can check us out on your favorite podcast platform. We'll be back here again, same time next week, eleven our new time slot, eleven to one. But for Daniel Locke, I'm Greg Blankenberg. This has been the Eagles Nest on Weagle 90.1 FM. Have a great day, everybody, and War Eagle. Thank you for tuning in to the Eagle's Nest. We enjoyed bringing you updates on everything going on in the world of sports. If you missed any of today's show, you can catch the podcast version wherever you get your podcasts. You can also follow us on Twitter at Daniel J. Locke and at The Griggs B. Until next time, this has been the Eagle's Nest. See you next week.